How many of us have ever gone to a restaurant? All right, like not in a while now, but how many of us have ever been to a restaurant? Right? When, when you go to a restaurant, do you, do you go in, do you get a seat, do you get the menu and, and look it over front to back and then get up and leave? Right? Or, or go to a drive-thru, do you get in the line at a drive-thru, wait to get to the board, look at the board, and then leave? Most of us, I think if not all of us, when we go to a restaurant and sit down, when we get in a drive-thru, we go with an expectation. We, we plan on having a meal. We plan on eating something. We plan on enjoying something from that place. We, we hope that that meal will help sustain our lives or at least be a way of engaging with joy. Another thing that when we go to these restaurants, we, we are met by somebody. Somebody engages with us. They, they ask us a question. They, they say, what do you want? Now, what we are doing today is we're looking at scripture. And while this is an analogy, every analogy will break down. But how many of us just open up the Bible, read a few words, and move along? Today we want to we look at what the Bible is and, and how can we engage with it in a, in a meaningful way where we find uh, substance, where we find connection, where we find joy. That is what we want to do. Um, I'm Brad. I am the lead pastor here at Stanley Park Community Church. If you are new, it is awesome that you joined us today, and I hope that this is a blessing to you. And for everybody else that is part of our community, it is so good to have you online. I hope that, one, you are weathering this uh, lockdown, critical moment, whatever this is called, well. I hope that you are finding ways to connect with your community group, finding ways to connect with one another, and just that this, this season, while it is hard, I hope that you are connected. I hope that you are um, that you're doing well. And so with all that said, if you are new, actually, we would love for you to fill out a comment card. We'd love to get you connected with people in our connection groups. So today, what we are looking at is the Bible, right? This, this thing. Now, it's a very simple question, what is the Bible? But rarely does a simple question necessitate a simple answer. It's actually a pretty complex uh, answer to what is the Bible, and it goes a bunch of different ways. Today we're going to look at three kind of highlighting points, but we actually only are going to unpack one of them. Uh, if, if you want more, like, please let me know, and we'll, we'll talk a bit more about the other categories. But we're going to look at it and unpack one thing. So the first thing that the Bible is, the Bible's a book. It's actually a book of books, uh, a compilation, if you will, of 66 books. The Bible has 39 of them that were uh, written and collected before the birth of Christ. And if you want to do some quick math, if we have 66 books in the Bible, 39 before Jesus, how many of them are after Jesus? All right, I, I hope that you did the math. It's, it's 27. We have 27 books that make up the New Testament, which really tell us about how, how did Jesus change everything? What did that look like in the lives of his followers? And what can we do today? So this compilation of Book 66 is what we have in the Bible. Now, these, these books were written by 40, 40, yeah, approximately 40 authors over a span of thousands of years. Uh, that is quite a bit of, uh, of writing, quite a bit of time. And the, the big thing about it is that it's an interaction between those people and God as they write down what he's done, how he's moved. Why, why he is moving in the way he has, and how we can engage with that. So that is what the Bible is in one sense. The Bible in another sense is a single story by 40 authors over thousands of years. 
The story is about God, how God has a plan, how God desires uh, his creation to do well and to honor and connect and worship him, and how we have a problem. But with that problem, there's also God's presence, and how God is present to us, and how God is calling us to him. We also see that the Bible is a story, a very complicated story, about an incredible rescue, about how we needed a savior, we needed someone to step into a gap, to bring life, to save us from ultimate death and destruction, and God is the one who saves us. The other section that, uh, the other part of what the Bible is, is the Bible is the word of God. So we have the Bible is a compilation of books. We have the Bible is a story of a rescue, and we have the Bible is God's word to us. And that last one is what we're going to unpack. There's a lot here, and so let's get at her. The Bible isn't just a compilation, and it isn't just a story. The Bible is the voice of God written down for you and for me to to know, to, to know God, to understand him, to grow with him, to interact with him. At this point, I think it would be a great thing for us just to pause, to pray, to ask God to help us understand what he's saying, how the Bible works, and uh, then open the Bible and get into a passage from it. So let me pray for us. Lord, I, uh, I ask you to join us today. Lord, I know that your heart is for us, that you have made yourself known in a, a myriad of ways. Lord, you have come to earth to show us what you are like. Lord, we ask that today in this uh, stream, in their digital service, that you are making yourself present in your spirit to each one of us, that you are in the rooms where we are, are clicking on this, Lord, that you are in, in the spaces that we are occupying, and that you are using this message to continue to work us deeper into a relationship with you. Lord, we, we ask for you to come, we ask for you to guide, we ask that you help us know you better. So Lord, take this time, take these words, and glorify and honor yourself, and Lord, help us know you. We pray this in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. So the passage we are going to look at today is from 2 Timothy 3, 15 to 17. So if you want to open up your Bible, if you want to open up your app, uh, I'd love for you to get in there as well. So 2 Timothy 3, 15 to 17 says, From your infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scriptures are God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be, able, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This, this passage is written by a guy named Paul. Um, he is investing in this Timothy guy. Uh, he sees that he is a gifted guy that God wants to lead his church with, So he's investing, he's helping direct him, he's helping him grow up and know what to base his life on, how to lead others, and what is true and good, and how to mold his life as a Christ follower. So he passes these words on to Timothy, and then vicariously we as a church and you as an individual get to read them and, and model our lives similarly. So what we have here is this passage of scripture is uh, one really critical point And then we have what I'll call four cogs, things that kind of work this through us. And it comes out to like kind of two tangible things that we can see in our life after we've worked out this critical point 
into our lives and through our lives. So the, the critical point that, that starts this passage is that the Holy Scriptures are to make us wise for salvation in Jesus Christ. And that these are from God, that God has given us, that he's breathed these for us. So the, the first point in this, this critical point is that Scripture is to make us wise. But not just like smart and clever wise, but to give us a knowledge of what it takes to follow, to know, and to live with and for Jesus. Because the Bible isn't just about stories. It isn't just about these rules and regulations. While they are in there, it's ultimately pointing us to have a faith in Jesus, to know him, to understand him, to enter into a relationship with him. The other thing that allows us to have confidence in that is knowing that God, yeah, the, the entire, the creator of creation, has organized these scriptures to be things that point to Jesus, to help us connect with him. That Now, these scriptures may not be uh, what, what you and I would think God would do. We kind of like think like maybe this like giant meteor would come from the skies and land and it would have all the etchings of what we need to do to know God or that like some entity would be always around directing us. But God has often moved in ways that we, well, we didn't really expect, right? He's, he's done a lot of things in history that, isn't what we would think he would be doing. And uh, the clearest case of that is Jesus himself. Right? We would never expect God to enter into creation as us, to, to take on the flesh, to, to be born as a baby. We would never expect God to do that. So God likes to kind of blow our minds in how he interacts with us. And so what we see is that God has given us scriptures Paul says that they are God-breathed, that they are inspired by him, that they're they kind of overseen or directed by him. And that we get to engage with that. Now, God has also had a long history of working through humans, you, you and me, to do his things. It's, it's him through us for his glory. The, the first picture of that was right at the very beginning of scripture, is Adam. Adam was created Adam was placed into creation and was given the authority and power and rule over it to honor God. God was desiring to connect, relate, and live amongst Adam, giving Adam the ability to rule for him over creation. We also see that God, later in the scriptures, takes Israel and he says, I will make you my chosen people. You will show the world what I am like. We, we see that Jesus is very much man, but God is incarnate, that God wants to work through us. And that is the t one time that we can see God got it perfectly right because God was doing it in Jesus. We, we got in the way in the other stories and we, in the next ones we'll see, also kind of get in the way, but God desires to work through us. So the other examples of how God wants to work through us humans is the church. God, like Israel says, I want you to be the light to the world. I want to be in relationship with you. I want to work through you so the world may know me. Right now, I can say that I'm not perfect, and I, I've met a bunch of you, and I know that you're not perfect. Us together, we still are not perfect. But 
it is what God is choosing to work through the world. And so, with that being how God often engages, it doesn't seem that unreasonable that God would also use men, 40 or so, to, to write down his word, to s- capture the stories and to guide us in the, uh, the, the ways that he desires for us to live and also the ways that we should know him. Now, the great thing about having a, a scripture, a, a text, is that it's very tangible. It's, it's something that we can look at, something that we can read. We don't have to speculate one, if, if there is a God. We don't even have to guess if there is one. We, we have something that tells us there is. We don't have to wonder, is, what is God like? Is, is he for me? Is he against me? The scriptures tell us what God is like. We don't have to then say, is he even knowable? Or should we fear this unknown God? It tells us that God is deeply, deeply for us. Like the entire narrative shows that God is for his creation. And while we are messed up, While we have rejected him, he is so much for us that he comes amongst us, once again, in in human form as Jesus. And the Bible being uh, completely intent on showing us who Jesus is, uh, Jesus then shows us who exactly God is like. It says in uh, Colossians 1.15 that the Son is the image of the invisible God. So the scriptures are supposed to focus us to Jesus. And Jesus says this is exactly what God is like. So that is, that is the key, the, one of the key points in what Scripture is about, what Scripture is for. It is to make God known to us. And that God is Jesus. So we, we have that. We have that Scripture is what makes us wise for salvation through Jesus. And we have that it's a gift from God. God wants us to be able to know him. He wants to be known. He knows that we need to know him. And so from that spot, the passage carries on. To kind of the, the four cogs I was mentioning, it, it tells us that Scripture is first for showing us who God is and what he is like and how he has moved. But then it says, from there, we, we have the ability to kind of work that through us. So these are the cogs that I, I was mentioning. So it's useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. Now, as we, we look at these, I, I want us to, once again, think about uh, how they can be used to apply the scriptures to our life. So the first thing is teaching. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm here, I'm doing that. I'm, I'm looking at the passage. I'm figuring out what it says here, and I'm, and I'm sharing that with you. Now, that's, that's my job today, but it's actually your gift and your job uh, in, every day as well, is that we get to look at these scriptures, and we can see what God is for. We can, we can see what he is opposed to. We can see what wisdom is. And, you know, it saves us a lot when it also tells us what folly is, what, what is foolishness. So, so we can take these scriptures and we can mull them over. We can work them through our lives and we can know a direction, how to know God, how to move, where has he been, how, how is he for something, and how do we engage with that part of what he desires for us. Another part is uh, reproofing or rebuking. Uh, the scripture is fit for teaching, but it's also a great thing to kind of fact check. It's like snoops where you, you, you question something. It's a good spot to go to and say, all right, God, like, do you have anything to say about this? You know, you can, you can search the scriptures. You can find a passage to wrestle with, and there's quite a few passages to wrestle with. But to, to seek um, understanding, to, to take 
teaching, like what I'm doing, and looking at, does it line up with Scripture? Does it line up with what God has done, what God is doing, and what God desires for us? Now, taking that, it's kind of like a a measuring tool. Uh, Before the metric system, we would all kind of go about, like, oh, yeah, it's a a hand's width. Like, whose hands? It's, it's, uh, you know, it's about a foot or a, a, a pace off of something. The, the accuracy of that is, is just you know, not, not something to bank off of. Uh, my, my wife, she has been making coffee lately, and that's great. I love coffee. But she is all about the heap method, that you get a, a heaping spoon and you measure it. And she always is making the coffee too strong. And I, 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 I joke about it, is that like, there's a measuring device so you can measure levelly and you know exactly what is going in there. So you can, you know, if you want it strong, you can be strong. But if you, you want it nobody wants it weak, but you can have it be an accurate flavor every time with a measuring device. So that that is kind of one of the things that scripture allows us to do, is to measure up life, to measure up teaching, to measure up theology and ideas. Does this compute with what is in the scriptures, or is it just a notion that somebody has that spins off from another idea and isn't at all what God is for? Now, with this rebuking, nobody, well, some people love to rebuke. Uh, I've seen the internet, you've seen the internet, you're on it right now. Uh, but with, with the rebuking, it, it's actually a good thing. It's, it's a spot where we want to, we don't want to just make up ideas. We want to engage with deep truth and align our lives with it. So when it's off, calling it out is such a good thing. But here, here's the deal. Why, why rebuking is important is, have you ever been wrong? I hope you're nodding your head. Um, right, what does it feel like to be wrong? Feel free to comment in the the comment bar on this. I'm going to give us a few seconds here. What does it feel like to be wrong? Now, I I bet if you aren't commenting, then you may be feeling the same way. Is is, uh, it it feels bad. (laughs) It feels bad to be wrong. Or it it feels shameful or guilty or awkward. Like, I I really don't like being wrong. Um, now, here's the thing. If, if, if that's what you think it feels like to be wrong, you're wrong. That isn't how it feels like to be wrong. That's what it feels like when you know that you are wrong or when you are, realize that you are wrong. You, you feel bad. You feel shameful. You feel awkward or guilty. What it feels like when you're wrong is being right. right? A lot of us think that we are right and we would go about it, but we can be wrong. It's when, we come, when we're confronted by something is when we realize that, you know, I, I feel bad about being wrong. But so much of our lives we are confident in that may not be accurate. We don't feel any of that, you know, bad, awkward feeling. We just feel like we're right. And so that's where reproofing and uh, where rebuking, where correcting, which is the next little part, gets to. Is when we're wrong, we don't always know it. So, so scripture is also good for correcting. Now, the, these cogs are interconnected, so like the, these, there's a, a wide overlap between rebuking and correcting. But the value of correction, man, like the amount of things that are better after they've been corrected versus just thrown in there. Like if you've ever written a test, if you were to be shown what was wrong and given the opportunity to correct it, why wouldn't you? Correction is taking something that's out of place and allowing it to be in the right place. Uh, that's, that's pretty much what Jesus did in his time on earth. He would take something that is in the wrong place and put it closer to where it belongs, closer to what is right. Uh, you think about the religious leaders. He, he would call them out and he'd say, you guys need to learn what mercy is. 
Like you understand what the rules and regulations are, but you need to understand mercy. He would, he would take injustice and he'd say, you guys need to learn compassion. He would take the hurting people and he'd meet them with grace. And then he'd put them in a spot and say, don't sin anymore. He would correct their locations. He'd move them into a spot that is in better alignment of what God desires, where God wants to meet them, how God desires to see the life lived out. Jesus came and he corrected a bunch of different things. One of the points was flipping the table. He, he desired to see things as they should be, not just making do with where they are. And, and that, that then flips into the next part of these cogs is, is training. Um, when, when you're growing a plant, a lot of my analogies seem to be plant-based. You'd think I'd be far more green thumb, but when you're, when you're growing a plant, you can, you can train a tree to be a bush just by you know, staying at it, staying at it, staying at it. You trim it back, you trim it back, you trim it back, and it will learn to be a bush. And well, if you, you have a bush that you kind of just let go, it becomes a tree. Um, but with, with training comes form. And that these scriptures are an opportunity for us to look at and say, all right, like I am, I am continually trying to be a tree. And this is a terrible analogy again, but I'm, I'm living outside of what this says I should be. So how do I, how do I do it? And I just keep focusing back on this is what God says to do. This is where my life will flourish. This is what God says to do. This is where my life will flourish. And in that we are entering into discipline. We are discipling. We are growing in, in a direction that God desires for us to live. So those are the, the four cogs, uh, teaching, uh, rebuking, correcting, and training. And these, these four cogs work together through the scriptures to, to have an output. It isn't just about doing these things, and that's, that's not what I'm saying. Like They're great to do, but the goal, once again, has an outcome. So I don't want to get bogged down in those. I want to get to the, the, the outcome of what these cogs do is they have the ability to make us live righteously, to live in that correct spot, the, the right spot. It is something that allows us to be equipped for good works. God desires not just to, to tell us what to do, but he allows us to be the hands and feet of him on creation, where we get to be doing the good things that God is for. Now, Paul is encouraging Timothy to, to take these words, to embrace them, to apply them to his life, because he knows that they are valuable for him as he lives as he grows and as he connects with God. But that is, that is the, the desire he has for us, is for us to be connected to God. This is the important part in this. A lot of us can just read scripture and, and ignore God. We can look at it as legal rules, instructions, cogs that we have to work through because then I'll be good. The cogs I have to work through because then I'll be in the right place. But we aren't looking for, well, we might be, but the ultimate desire that God is looking for is not for us to do these right things, but for us to be drawn into a relationship with him. That each one of these things, these cogs, help us connect with God. That taking good thought, taking his scriptures and banking on them, allow God to be present to us in ways that we wouldn't if we didn't have the scriptures. Now, we, we, can, we can force these things into our lives. We can, you know, really press them into our lives. But what we really want to do is kind of sit in them. Allow them to help us draw closer to God. 
Help us enter into a, a deeper relationship with him. While we can say with the scriptures, and, that, and people do do it with the rebuking part, oh, the scripture says X, so you need to not do Y. Or the scripture says X, so you need to be Y. What, what it really says is God is, is for X. And God, like as I, as I see this, I see that in, your, in your, your word, you say you want this. I am far from this. And engaging in that, that conversation, because it is a forming, it is a relational thing. It is the opportunity for us to sit down and, and know God who, who made himself available in history, in scripture, in person, and, and now in spirit. As we open up the Bible, I heard this actually in my, uh, my Bible college days, that every time we open up the Bible, we come face to face with God. Now the greater thing is, it's not just when we open up the Bible. God, God has a spirit with us, guiding us to the scripture, guiding us from the scripture. God desires us to be saturated in truth, to be saturated in the knowledge of him. And so when we open up the Bible, we have an opportunity not just to read it from cover to cover, or just to look at a few things and memorize what a number two combo is. I mean, what verse 315 is. We have the opportunity to engage with God, who is for us. We see that scripture points us to Jesus, and, and that its entire intent is for us to know that we can be wise, that we can engage with Jesus, who gives us salvation. That we can walk, we can, we can live out our lives amongst others with Jesus along our sides. See, the point is not just to get things done from Scripture. The point is to engage with God. And, and to, in doing that, I, I am not worried about whether you'll ever do anything that's good. You, it, it says like the outcome of these Scriptures working through your life is that good things will be coming from you. Not because you have to, but because God is working with you. Now, last week I mentioned that I will let you know the very best Bible version for you to read. And, yeah, it's cheeky. The, the entire thing is based on, it's whichever one you read. Like, it doesn't matter which version, it's whichever one you are willing to sit down with, to engage with God in. If it's the ESV, great. If it's the NIV, great. If it's King James, awesome. Whichever Bible version that you open that you read, not just to read, but to engage with God in, is the best one. God desires to meet you, and he desires to meet me. And he has given us the words on these pages of people who have gone before us, moments that he has engaged in history. And he isn't just locked in here, but he desires to walk with us through the text, through the stories, bringing us into the, the bigger story that this is all a part of. And so this week, I, I know that we hit a lot of points and we went through a lot of things. This week, I'll encourage you to spend more time in Scripture, not because you have to, not because of a pressure that you should, but because in Scripture, God is waiting. God has taken the time to influence over 40 people to write down his words to you and to me. I encourage you to just take some time. Say, God, I am going to take some time today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open up the scriptures. I'm going to read from this passage. Lord, I, I want you to speak to me. Lord, I want you to correct me. Yeah, I know. I want you to direct me. I want you to teach me your ways that I may know you. That is our heart as a church here. We want to be a church that's growing in the knowledge. We want to know God. 
but we also want to grow in the likeness and lifestyle of Jesus. We want to be ones that are, are so enamored by who God is that we can know him and that he knows us so deeply that we walk out our faith in a way that it matters to the world around us. We want to walk out our faith so that we can say deeply in ourselves that I am known by God and I am his child. He is ever for me. And if those words are not what you think of when you read the Bible, please, please, please message me. Uh, Brad at stanleyparkchurch.ca. I would love to engage with you. I would love to chat about God's heart for you. Because I know reading through this, God has overcome everything to be in a relationship with you, to love you, to guide you, to protect you, to lead you in the ways of righteousness. And so I hope that this week, that you find a moment, two moments, to, to open up the scripture and say, God, I would like you to speak to me. I hope that our communities, that we, we find the way of sharing these stories, right? This is people sharing the stories of how God has moved. I hope that we find ways to continue to say that this is how God moved in my life. This is how God is speaking to me now. To, to gain this language in our communities is going to be helping each one of us walk closer to God. So with all that being said, if you want to hear more about this, please do message me. If you have things that you want to add into the story, we have a comment section. Tell us about how God has been speaking to you. Is there a certain passage that just seems to be sitting over your life? Is there a passage that God said, this is for you this year? I would love to see that happen. I, I think everybody in our community would love to hear from you. So if you want to just engage with this right now, uh, I'm going to leave the chat. Well, it's always open. The chat is open. Please share what God has been saying to you. And uh, may we be encouraged. May we see God moving in our lives. And I look forward to uh, next week where we're going to be talking about prayer. Uh, scripture is one way that God talks to us. Prayer is a way that we get to talk with him. And you know what? Sometimes we hear back. So may God be with you this week. May, may he engage with you through his word. And well... I hope you have a great time at home because we really shouldn't be going anywhere. So I'll catch you next week. Take care.